emotions, the invisible strings behind every purchase decision we make. Maybe it's buying the latest iPhone, not because it's the best phone, because you wanna just fit in. Emotions can be the difference between people buying your product or not at all. To help with that, Talia Wolf has dedicated more than a decade of her career at Monday.com, Conversioner, and now at Get Uplift to increasing conversion rates using emotional triggers. In this Marketing Pops episode, you learn first why most buying purchases are emotional, including enterprise deals. Second, common emotional triggers that drive purchases. Third, Talia's emotional targeting framework. And fourth, a career pop that has been a game changer in Talia's 15-year marketing career. And before we start, I've created a free power-up cheat sheet that you can download, fill in, and apply Talia's emotional targeting framework in your marketing. Just head over to marketingpowerups.com or find that link in the show notes and description. Are you ready? Let's go. Marketing power-ups. Ready? Go! Here's your host, Ramley John. Before we dig into your, your framework around emotional targeting, I've heard this said to me many times, and I'm sure you've said you've heard it said to you as well. Where, hey Talia, hey Ramley, I get it. You know my B two C consumer side, people are emotional when they purchase. I'm not sure. Chocolates or flowers, <laughs> it's an emotional purchase. <laughs> but B two B, B two B when I'm buying software, it's not. It's logical. It's there's a process. What do, what do you say to those people? What what is uh you know what is I'm, I'm sure I. You have some strong words that you want to share share to them specifically about that. You know, ultimately, emotional targeting is all about the fact that we human beings make decisions based on our emotions. Every decision that we make in life is based on emotion, meaning it's not just e-commerce decisions when we're buying, you know, a dog collar, if we're buying a milk um, for the house. It is every decision we make in life. And B2B consumers aren't robots or machines. Mm -hmm. We also have emotion. Um, When you're purchasing something for yourself or your significant other, you have, um, you know, you have to think about yourself, uh, the budget that you have, and maybe what your significant other is going to say. When you're purchasing something as a consumer for a company, there's so many more levers and challenges and criteria involved. Um, you're worried about what your manager's going to say. You're worried about if the team is actually going to adopt right. this tool and, and, you know, take it on. What if there's a freak accident that deletes everything? There's so many things that can happen. And, and really, it's not just me saying this. So Google a while ago ran um, a really incredible uh, study that showed that 50% of uh, B2B purchases will actually are much likely more to buy a product Mm. based on the emotional outcome. If they see a personal outcome, so maybe it's a job, uh, you know, maybe they're going to get a career advancement, maybe they're going to feel more proud of their work um, and so on. So yeah, B2B, emotion. (laughs) It works together. It's it's not a B2C thing. (laughs) Yeah, right. It's, I think the reason why is people think, hey, um, it when you think about B two B, you're you're I'm targeting a business. A business is not emotional, but like what you're really getting at, and I love that stat from Google is that there's still a person behind that company who needs to make that decision, and that person is not like a robot that has no emotion. They care yeah. about a lot of stuff that you know that that might not be the traditional 
um, emotion that we think about when we're purchasing chocolate or flowers, but there is still some emotion there involved, which, which I guess, yeah, which uh, definitely a lot of, I'm curious what, what are those common emotions? Um, you know, maybe on whether that's B2B or B2C, but like, what are some emo common emotions that, that yeah. affect? So I think, you know, we do a lot of, um, experiments for both B2C and B2B. And we've actually found that in B2B, there's even more complexity yeah. involved because, um, really, so let me give you an, an example. There's two different emotional triggers that come back over and over again. that keep coming up with in SaaS and in B2B in general. Um, which are uh, social image and self-image. Now, as mm -hmm. a reminder, I said what Google found was that if someone in an organization sees personal value, they're far more likely to buy that product. So self-image is how I feel about myself. When I buy a product, how am I going to feel about myself? Am I going to feel proud? Am I going to feel smarter? Am I going to feel more educated? Is it going to make me feel more confident in what I do at work? Social image is what are people going to think about me? Are they going to think I'm a rock star? Or are they going to be, you know, make me the person they go to when they have a question? All of these are factors that people take into consideration in a B2B purchase. And we've seen this time and time again. So a lot of the times when we're writing conversion copy for a comparison page or a homepage or product page uh, for SaaS, we're taking these emotional levers into consideration. What does this person behind the screen need to feel about themselves? What do they want other people to think about them when purchasing a product? And that's important. And those two things, I feel like, you know, you talked about uh, the, the self emotion and then the social emotion. They're really, really key. Uh, um, part into any kind of um, you know I guess buying purchases and interesting you said even more so in B2B where like there is a lot of complex stuff that is um, affected there that you know we yeah. just talked about you know when I we, we've been doing a lot of user testing lately for some of our clients uh, one of our clients is a project management solution product and we recently are doing um, some user testing for another SaaS company and what we find is usual behavior when someone is trying to figure out if the product is right for them is they'll land on the homepage and they'll see, you know, the, the offer, the one true offer that we're, you know, what is the end result that we're, we're, we're promising them. And then what will happen is they will jump into the pricing page. They'll check out, okay, is it the same as the competitors? It's more or less the same. That's fine. Let's move back. And then they'll see, does it have most of the features? Yeah, that's fine. And then they need to make a decision. So that are they going to start a trial with you or are they not? And most, if not all, of uh, consumers then start diving into, is this for me? Now, you could say to me, Natalia, they just said it's for them. They've seen the pricing. They've got all the features. Isn't that enough? No. Now they're looking for a personal emotional connection. Mm. And that's where emotional targeting comes in. Can, can you give examples of like that personal emotional targeting? Is it, I'm imagining like images that look like them or like words that they, that they use that resonates with them. Are those, uh, yeah, I would love to just hear like what, what are some ways that as marketers we can like now connect with them on a personal emotional level so that they complete that purchase. 
there's testimonials, there's the stories that we tell. It's also the big promise, right? So let's take the project management solution uh, platform, Teamwork. Um, Teamwork, our client, is up against many big competitors in the market. There's ClickUp, there's Rank, there's Monday.com. Teamwork has carved out a beautiful space for themselves because they really do understand their target audience and their emotional triggers. They have built a product that to a naked eye could seem like all the rest. But when you zero in on the stories, who's giving the testimonials? What are we highlighting on the homepage? What we're talking about on the solution pages, on the comparison pages? If you are a service provider, if you run retainers, if you do projects for clients, if you run client work, teamwork is for you. And we've done everything on the website throughout the customer journey to show that to people because otherwise they could use a different competitor because the features are the same, more or less, and the pricing is the same, more or less. But what people are looking for is that. So the testimonials are from people that do client work. The features that we highlight and the results that we highlight are to do with what a client-facing uh, company will want to achieve. And that is the key to emotional targeting. And that's how you also stand out in a crowded market. Before I continue, I want to thank the sponsor for this episode, 42 Agency. Now, when you're in scale-up growth mode and you have to hit your KPIs, the pressure is on to deliver demos and signups, and it's a lot to handle. There's demand gen, email sequences, RevOps, and more. And that's where 42 Agency, founded by my good friend, Camille Rexton, can help you. They're a strategic partner that's helped B2B SaaS companies like ProfitWall, Teamwork, Sprout Social, and HubDoc to build a predictable revenue engine. If you're looking for performance experts and creatives to solve your marketing growth problems today and help you build the foundation for the future, look no further. Visit 42agency.com to talk to a strategist right now to learn how you can build a high-efficiency revenue engine. And that's exactly what I've been like it, it, this works so well. I think it's gonna even be more important. Um, with with I've I've seen AI write code. <laughs> like it's you know it, it's gonna be like having software. There's gonna be an explosion in competitors. Like I saw like the Martech landscape from three years ago to like now, and like there's just so much more competition. And what I'm hearing is like the ones that win will be the ones that connect in a in emotional. In a personal yeah. level with with people, um, and that's 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 that that's now how the winners that w- that's what will separate winners from the ones that don't close the customer. So is exactly what I'm hearing here. For sure, and I think with you know the threat of AI, as everyone likes to call it, <laughs> um, we leverage AI all the time at GetUplift. Mm. We we use it for our research and we use it for many things, but ultimately. What people are looking for is connection. We're bombarded with thousands of messages a day and people are advertising to us all the time. How do you choose? You choose the ones that you most connect with. Because if you as a company are going to try to go for the best price or the best features, ultimately, if not now, at some point, as you said, some new technology will come in, some new AI will come in and they will win because they, they will beat you. But if you have a strong connection with your prospects and you connect with them on an emotional level, 
then the entire customer journey is built around that. That means every single ad that you write, email that you send, landing page that you create, everything is geared towards connection. And that connection is what increases your lifetime value. It reduces churn. Mm, I was gonna that, say that really is yeah. what helps you. Yeah, I was just about to say that. It's, it's harder to leave like a, a product when you are so emotionally invested into it and maybe the community behind it and the people behind it and how it relates to you so much that, you know, it's it's like trying to leave... For me, it's like trying to leave Apple. I know, I, I know. Some people are. I'm starting to get hate from from Apple haters right now when I said that. But like when I'm so integrated into the their system and like you know j- it just works, and I have like an emotional connection with them, it's harder for me to to separate from from it because uh, would you say in some sense that when you get emotionally connected with a product and how it's relating with you, your their identity starts becoming attached to that. Where like you know, Apple is like fun and like things like that. But like for teamwork, it might, they might be like listening and emotion and they've kind of associated a part of their ident- emotional identity. Maybe I'm like, maybe I'm reaching too far here, but I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. I use an accounting software that I love. I'm not going to name any names, but <laughs> I, I love it. And the reason I love it isn't because it has better features. Um, mm. I love it because they've taken the time to create different prompts um, within the customer journey that I feel they understand my business and what I need. Um, and it's incredible because, you know, every email that they send or even the login page, everything is around me and my business. And I feel like they've got me. They have me. And if I need anything, I can, you know, I'll get I, any question, I'll get answered. And I'm sure that if I went to a different product, I could probably get the same service and I could probably do the same. But as you're saying with Apple, it's the same with an accounting software. I mean, how <laughs> boring is an accounting software? And yet they made it somehow with, you know, the colors that they're using, the words that they're using, the way they connect with me and many, you know, thousands and thousands of businesses is what keeps people with them. Um, and it, you know, I think I think that is the key to everything, especially in SaaS. We're like really getting into like what the end goal looks like. I'm curious what the process is for marketers who are tuning in. It's like, I, Talia, I want that. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I want to build an emotional connection with with prospects and customers. Where would you suggest marketers like start? What what would be some some kind of like steps that you would suggest for them to take to? start implementing emotional targeting into their, their content, into their copy, into their, their website and their marketing? Well, the good news is you don't need um, an insane budget. Mm-hmm. So you look at Lego and the apples of the world and you think, yeah, well, they're emotional <laughs> money they have. <laughs> the good news is you don't need deep pockets. Um, the bad news is there's a lot of work involved. So it's not like waking up in the morning and like, oh, I know this now. You need to do foundational work. So to get started, the key to everything is meaningful research. And that means doing customer surveys, doing visitor surveys, um, running interviews on your customers, doing review mining, many, many different pieces, uh, emotional competitive analysis, really doing in-depth research. And what I mean by that is When I ask you who your customers are, 
telling me their age, geographical location, gender, and the browser that they're using is not good. It's not enough. I need a lot on that. And I don't want your persona that you built in an hour workshop of Jane, 32, lives at home with a white picket fence. I am looking for real meaningful data. And what that means, those insights are, what are the top three pains and challenges that your prospects are facing? What are the top three emotional outcomes that people want to feel after finding a solution? What's happening in their day-to-day lives that make them look for a solution? All these questions need answers. And once you know the answers to these questions, it's far easier to look at your landing page and say, oh, I'm talking about this, but no one cares about Mm. this at all. They want to hear this. So the good news is that once you do this research and you go deeper into your customer's emotional profile, it is so much easier to write copy. It's so much easier to Mm. build a funnel because you know what they want. So to get started, do a customer survey. To get started, run a visitor survey. Um, But start going back to the foundation and ask yourself, who am I actually speaking to? And what do I want to say to them? And I love what you said. It's not about the persona. (laughs) You know, there's made up stuff that you wish you had. It's really about like, what words do they use? What emotions do they say they have around certain things? Um, Yeah. Anything specific you asked in that survey? Um, I'm I'm curious. Like, it, it doesn't have to be a list, but like, are, are there favorite ones that you like love? At you know, if you have a client, like, you should have these questions at least in this survey. We have many different questions that we like to ask, but one of the things that we try to avoid is, "Why did you sign up?" <laughs> um, you know. Um, so one of our favorite question is, um, "What key problem would you say solution? So your solution eliminates or lessens for you." This is a great real uh, question that helps you understand the value of your product, not asking why did you choose it? Why did you sign up? Um, Because then they'll just say this feature or that feature or that price. But if you ask them, what problem were you trying to actually solve? Um, And what were you, what is it, what does this product actually lessen for you? It helps them zero in on the problem that led them to you and what they're actually getting out of it. Now, the questions really that you need to think about is how do you frame it around them? Um, For example, can you describe how you used the solution over the last month? How how have you been using it? What have you been using it for? Um, You can ask them, uh, one of our favorite questions is, you know, how would you describe this solution to a colleague? A, a friend of yours, if you were trying to convince them to use our product. It's a great way to get a testimonial, but it's also a great way to understand how people describe your product, what they think about it, which words, as you were saying, Remley, um, you know, do they use to describe what you do? All of this stuff can then be leveraged for copy. That makes a ton of sense. I, I love how you're like really like trying to figure out this getting them to describe their problem and how it's helping them rather than like, why did you buy a product? Which is, you know, uh, knee-jerk reaction maybe sometimes for some folks and you're really getting that. And then you start taking those. I'm curious, how, how do you, you know, how do you, once you have all this research data, um, do you have a process 
to to like actually mine it for for insights especially if you get like a bunch of response i'm sure maybe you have uh some tips around that because it, it it could get uh, quite messy <laughs> with all with all the responses you've gotten Definitely. So important thing is that we don't just use one pool of insights. We try and use many. So mm. we're doing customer um, surveys, as I mentioned. We do customer, uh, sorry, we do visitor surveys. We do customer interviews. We do review mining where we review thousands of reviews online. We do social listening where we're looking, we're, li- we're looking at different conversations online. And what we're really looking for is common themes. So we have different people pouring over spreadsheets to see what are the common themes that are coming up. And you start noticing, we're looking for specific things. I mentioned this before. What are the top three pains that people keep mentioning? Like what were the, the, you know, what's the top three things? What are the top, what's the one desired outcome that people keep mentioning or the one thing that it solves for them or lessons for them? Um, How, what is the top three words people use to describe us to their friends? Um, or their colleagues. And what we do with this knowledge is once we put it into this, well, a slide deck, obviously, but kind of just looking into the data and saying, okay, these are the people we're speaking to. These are the pains that lead them to our website. This is what convinces them to sign up. This is what convinces them to pay. This is what convinces them to stay. Now we go and we audit the website or the emails or your, you know, your entire product and say, okay, here's what you're saying. Here's what your customers want to hear. Here's what you're showing. Here's what people want to see. So the goal really is to just go back to foundations, figure out the most, the answers to your most important questions, which, you know, how do people feel right now before finding a solution? What do they want to feel? Um, How do they want to feel? Um, And once you have those answers, you can then go to your website and it's suddenly crystal clear to audit it and see what's not working. And that's when we can start suggesting, okay, here's all the experiments we're going to run. We're going to try this strategy and that strategy, and we can start running tests or writing emails and so on. So the process really begins with looking for those common themes that are around pains and desired outcomes. And that's Mm. kind of where we start. You're really uh, sharing this, um, getting deep into this, this process here. Um, I'll link some resources that you uh, that you have available on your site as well as other places with this. But I really want to shift gears and I think uh, and talk about careers, career power specifically. You've been in in tech and marketing for many years now. You're a marketing director at Monday.com. You are like um, you know CMO at Banana Splash, and now you, you you've been for some time like the the founder and CEO of get uplift uh, i'm curious something what's something that's helped you with your career whether that's uh, like a hard skill in marketing or a soft skill in terms of like re- relating with other people but i'm curious like what's given you a leg up as a, a marketing leader and and a consultant you know the funny thing is that my journey started out in a social media agency and from there, I went to what was at what was then DePulse. It wasn't Monday. That's <laughs> all. Three oh, really? people sitting in a broom closet. Wow, that's it's a whole different story. <laughs> For about a year, we sat in a broom closet, but it was called DePulse before it rebranded to Monday.com. Um, and from there, we started Conversion Out, which was a conversion optimization agency, and we ran that for a few years, and then. Uh, sold it. And then I was the CMO at Banana Splash. And I was 
I did that for a few months and I was like, nope, I just want to do communication. <laughs> I want to do emotional marketing. I don't right. want to do, I don't want to do campaigns. I don't want to run a, those, emo, like that emotional roller coaster of, um, I don't know if you know this, Ramley, but I started Get Uplift when I was six months pregnant with Rio, my first kid. Um, I was not planning. Okay. I, I, I quit banana splash. I was like, I'm just going to, you know, take some time off and figure out maybe I'll write a book or something about emotional marketing because that's what I love. Um, and my shine crew, who you know, um, some of its members, uh, you know, Gia and Claire and Tiffany and Joanna Weeb, and they were my strength because they were the ones to turn around and say, Talia, you can do this. You can start a company now. You can launch a course. You can do all this stuff throughout the whole time, not just then, like throughout whole journey. Wow. Um, we've been uplifting each other through the hardest times, um, personally and business-wise. Um, and I think if there's anything I can recommend to anyone, you know, I started, as I said, I started to get uplift in 2016. I was six months pregnant. I thought I was crazy. But look, I mean, it's a great and it's successful and it's good. But, but I couldn't have done it without my support system. Um, women around me that understood me and what I was trying to build and what I needed and were there to help me think things through. Um, so it's not like a marketing tactic that helped me. I'm sure there were many of those that I could think of and, you know, books that I could recommend, software, but really surrounding yourself with your own shine crew is the key to everything, in my opinion. That's so good. I think especially um, it's something that I wish I started much earlier in my career as well, where like I just kept to myself and even people just reaching out online uh, and connecting with other marketers in your industry is helpful. I think for for people who are much younger, like just just say hello, like reach out to folks on LinkedIn and just say, "Hey, I'm in, we're in the same space. Um, let's connect." And I I guess like you eventually find your shine crew. Is that I think I've heard this story from Gia, but is that how you your the shine crew found each other? Like you. I think it was at a conference or something like that or like how how did how did that come about like so 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 that people can be like how do i find my shed crew <laughs> oh, it's actually a wonderful story um i don't know if you would that's how you could you know you would form your own shine crew because i think today thankfully we have thankfully and regrettably we have social media so you can you can definitely connect with many people um for us it was at a conference um at CTA Conf, it unbounces legendary conference where, um, you know, Gia was there, I think, and Joanna was there and Tiffany was there. I, will, I don't think I was there. I, I, I was part <laughs> of the conversation later um, where Tiffany, you know, turned around and said to them out of the blue, she doesn't even know them yet. She's like, do you have, you have imposter syndrome and like feel like you shouldn't be on stage? Or something? And that was it. That was that was it. That was the key to it all. Um, you know, I think over the years we've added different people and, and, and it's been a privilege to know these, these women. Um, and I think we've helped, you know, especially Tiffany De Silva, cause she speaks about this on stage too, about her shine crew and her, and, and imposter syndrome. She's incredible, you know, and, and 
she's helped form many shine crews. Um, I think if you're looking for a shine crew, you know, any Slack group, uh, X slash Twitter, um, Facebook, Reddit, you know, there's so many different places you can find your crew. What I would challenge you to do when you are looking for one um, is to look for the people you're a little intimidated by. Because I think for me, the idea of being in a shine crew with Joanna Weeb, the, you know, the, the OG of copywriting was intimidating. And, uh, and, you know, April Dunford. But you, you know, to, to make yourself better, you need to surround yourself with better people. Mm. Things that, that also helps a lot. So, yeah, not, I'm not intimidated by them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you're all friends now. You know, you're in the same... <laughs> Same, same shoes as well. I think that's a, a good way to approach it. Often um, people that uh, intimidate you, you're, you're like, oh, uh, they'll never respond to my message. <laughs> but I think that taking your shot and just saying, hey, you know, I'm, I'm having this problem. You find out like, hey, we're, I'm also having the same problem. <laughs> and that builds that emotional connection there and really like uh, forms a bond and trying to really help each other out. That's so what I'm hearing. <laughs> Who knew? It's all down to emotion. If you enjoyed this episode, you'd love the Marketing Power-Ups newsletter. I share the actionable takeaways and break down the frameworks of world-class marketers. Go to marketingpowerups.com to subscribe and you'll instantly unlock the three best frameworks that top marketers use to hit their KPIs consistently and wow their colleagues. I want to say thank you to you for listening and please like and follow Marketing Power-Ups on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Feeling extra generous, had to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave a comment on YouTube. Goes a long way in others finding out about marketing pops. Thanks to Mary Solden for creating the artwork and design. And thank you to Faisal Kaigo for editing the intro video. And of course, thank you for listening. That's all for now. Have a powered update. Marketing power-ups. Until the next episode.